0: This sermon was recorded at the Midtown Congregation of Redeemer Fellowship, a church that exists to cultivate communities of transformed disciples who live for the glory of God and the good of the city. For more information, visit RedeemerKansasCity.org. Our scripture reading this morning is Psalm 122, which can be found on page 517 in your pew Bibles. Psalm 122. You'd please stand for the reading of God's word if you're able. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure, who love you. Peace be within your walls, and security within your towers." For my brothers' and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, we'll seek your good.
1: Amen. Good morning. Hey, it's good to be with you all. Uh, Before I pray and jump in, I just want to give you a little orientation to what we're going to be doing this morning and over the next couple weeks uh, in the pulpit as we lead up to the fall. So if you're um, with us regularly, uh, you know you know that normally we preach in one of a couple ways. We either go line on line through a book of the Bible, which we just got done with Second Peter. You know, some time there for a couple months last week. Or often what we'll do is we'll use the scriptures to develop, you know, biblical or theological themes, uh, talking about the person of Jesus or uh, looking at God's glory and holiness. That's the way we normally do things in the pulpit. But today uh, we're going to do something just a little different. Uh, we're going to use this scripture and the Psalms of a sense over the next couple weeks. And we'll talk about what those are here in a second to help uh, situate us as a spiritual family. Um, What I want to do today is really look at what's on the horizon for us as a family and why. And then how do we engage over the next several weeks leading up to the fall? You know, the fall for us, we've been talking for quite some time. It's going to be a real marker in the life of our church as we put our hands to work to build and uh, lay out uh, what's next in in our life together. So this morning is going to function a little bit different in laying out kind of some horizons and looking at how we can engage through that. So I'm gonna pray for us and then we'll dive in. And if you have anything like my children have all uh, referenced to me anxiety at the fact that there's six pages of notes this week instead of four, uh, just know that... Pages five and six, I'm not even going to touch. Those are just appendices for your own desire and your own study, uh, hopefully for your benefit. So I don't even plan on looking at them. Uh, You can just let that anxiety roll off of you and we can jump right in. So let's pray together. Father, we come to you uh, because of Jesus, because of his finished work, Because of his life, his death, his resurrection, the glorious uh, open access that he has made for those who will call upon his name, by faith, we come to you right now. We glory in that. We delight in that. God, we get to call upon your name. We get to experience and know the glory of God and the manifestation of your presence because of his finished work. So we come to you right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, and we call upon you. We ask that this morning, as we open your word together, would you open our hearts to what you're at work doing? Would you give us eyes to see? Would you shape our imaginations? Would you inflame our affections for what you are at work doing? And would you give us just a warm heart towards the things that are on yours? God, I ask more than even like um, the ability of human words to do this. Spirit, would you move in our midst this morning and stir up our hearts? Stir up our hearts to see what you're doing, to respond accordingly, to be alive to the things that are close to you. God, would you build us, strengthen us, let your glory dwell here among us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. So let's just jump right in. Look at letter A with me. Uh, Throughout history, The people of God have always sought to understand their own lives and their situations within a broader biblical framework. Uh, Because of this, saints through all history have attempted to find themselves in the stories of Scripture and the movements of God's redemptive purposes revealed within them. So one of the ways that is really healthy and normative and important for us to engage the scripture as the people of God is by seeking to have the way that we see the world and understand the world and live in the world shaped by how God has revealed he worked in the past. The stories that we find retold to us in the scriptures, they are for our profit, for our example, and. Order to show us what God is like in the world, what he desires to do among his people, and how we find ourselves and make sense of our world in light of all of that. So Christians have always done this, right? They've always sought to make sense of where they are, And locate themselves on the map, so to speak, by understanding a biblical framework or biblical stories or biblical categories. Paul actually tells the Corinthian church that they are to understand and apply the scriptures of the Old Testament in precisely this way. Highlighting that they were given as examples for us. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul uses this hermeneutic, which is just a way of saying, uh, a way by which to interpret and understand the scripture. He says, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were under one cloud. They all passed through the sea. They were baptized into Moses. They all ate the same spiritual food, drank the same spiritual drink. They drank from the rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ." Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. So he's giving this interpretation to help understand what the Old Testament was meant to point to is a greater picture of the reality that would be fulfilled ultimately in Christ Jesus. And he says, here is the hermeneutic or the way that you interpret these things. Now, these things took place as examples for us. So he's actually saying, what I want you to do is saturate yourselves with the stories of the scripture, the movements of the scripture, the narratives of the scripture in such a way that they train how you view the world, how you see the world, how you make sense of who is God and who am I and how does the world work so that as you walk through uh, the trials and the troubles and the hardships of life or the joys and the blessings of life, you have all of these portraits that give light to what is God like and what is he at work doing. So this is an, a necessary and important element of the life of the church, particularly in seasonal moments. We are to seek to understand what is God doing, right? Because we all believe that God is at work, right? Right? Jesus comes on the scene in John chapter 5 if you remember and he says my father is always at work. Right? What I do is I come into alignment to see what is the father at work doing. And that is the same today. In the body of Christ, spiritual families, we are to get in line with what is God at work doing. And where we go to understand that or make sense of that or interpret that is often uh, found in these portraits of the scripture. Look at letter D here. The scriptures are intended to interpret, give shape to, and inform our lives, right? Engaging the scripture is not simply about studying them so that we might understand them better, right? That's a beautiful pursuit. That is one element of rightly ordering and understanding and engaging the scriptures is to study them that we might understand what they say and what they mean. It's not just about like memorizing them, right? Logging them away in in my heart and storing them up. That's beautiful and essential and needed. And it's not even just about learning doctrine, right? What, What do we believe? One essential aspect of engaging the scripture is seeking to let the scriptures shape the way we see the world, right? How do we see God? How do we see ourselves? How do we see others? How do we understand our situations in order that our affections and our desires would be reoriented? That we might live with what I would call like virtuous participation in God's world. That's just a, maybe a fancy way of saying being obedient. Look at letter E. So the Songs of Ascent. These are 15 Psalms, and they all, if you look at your scripture here, right? Psalm 122 has this little heading at the beginning of the Psalm called A Song of Ascents of David. All 15 of these songs have this heading, which leads us to actually believe that they were compiled as a unit before they were put into the greater uh, book of Psalms. These probably served as some sort of compendium of songs for a purpose, that these 15 songs, Psalm 120 to 134, are designed as this like early hymnal for the people of God right and if you read through them they tell this really amazing story if you if you start to dig into them in Psalm 120 the writer is in exile right he's far off from the presence of God. He's sojourning in lands that are far away from God's purposes and God's provision. And he's in some form of distress that he's calling upon the name of the Lord, right? And then over the course of these songs, they they get closer to the presence of the Lord and they come to the resolution at the end with these two glorious songs. One where we see God pour out his love love and blessing and favor upon his people who dwell in unity seeking his face. That's Psalm 133 and Psalm 134 with this pronouncement of blessing back upon the people of God, right? So they tell this story and a lot of commentators will believe that this was like a hymn book that the early uh, Israelites would use as they went up to the city of Jerusalem the three times a year that they were called to gather for the feasts, right? So if you go back up to the top of the notes, I, I, I titled this section, Singing Our Way Home, right? So these were pilgrim songs that the children of Israel would sing as they were going up to the place where they were called to worship and meet with the Lord three times a year, right? There's this unbelievable arc where even in the songs themselves they tell this story and they were to rehearse these things and remember these things and uh, tell one another and, and, and shape the way they think about the world by singing these songs on the way to meet with the Lord. And so let me just like push pause here for a second. One of the reasons that we are preaching these over the course of the next season or the next six weeks, we always take a break from our normal rhythms in the summer to preach psalms. That's something we've done as a church for quite some time. And one of the reasons we wanted to do these songs in particular is as we move toward this kind of marking change of season that's on our horizon, we thought these songs would allow for us to reimagine and reawaken some things in our hearts as the people of God that these songs did for them in the same way. As they marched toward their goal, as we kind of move through the summer, we're longing that these things are awakened in us as well. Look with me at what these were. There's probably more that you could lay out, but I have four things that these songs in particular did in the hearts of those who sing them. Number one, these songs have a remarkable ability to reawaken a belief in God's active provision and protection of his people. If you have your Bibles out, uh, move from Psalm 122 just over one to Psalm 121. Look at, look at this reality, right? I lift my eyes up to the hills. He's coming out of this place of distress and he says, rather than focus on my own, uh, my own circumstances, my own plight, my own hardship, I'm going to take my eyes, I'm going to lift them up to the one who can save me. Where will my help come from? He says, it's from the Lord where my help will come. Look at verse four, the one who keeps Israel. It's all uh, laden with the one who watches over and keeps them and protects them and provides for them. He will not slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right and on your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from evil. Keep your life. Keep your going out. Keep your coming in. Right so these songs and throughout them they're intended to reawaken a concrete belief that God is the provider and protector of his people. Right secondly they reawaken a deep longing for God's presence experienced among God's people. This is a remarkable and really unique thing in this compilation of songs. There is this heightened desire for the presence of God and to go experience the presence of God among the people of God. The third thing they do is they reorient one's life around God's purposes. One of the things that I love about these songs is they right size you. I'm thinking of uh, off the top of my head, Psalm 131, where the psalmist says, I'm gonna quiet my soul like a weaned child at his mother's breast, right? I'm not going to let my heart be uh, gone away with all this anxious toil and fretful thinking. I'm going to calm my soul and remember the reality of God and his purposes and his provision so that I'm right-sized in light of it. And then lastly, they reactivate a faithful participation Of our lives around God's calling. And this happens in a couple ways. Number one, these songs give remarkable meaning to the mundane of life and God's presence in the midst of it, right? You've got like Psalm 126 is this glorious song of sowing and reaping, right, like the rhythms of harvest, those that go out in sorrow come back in joy. You've got songs about the glory of children and life in the house, right, like these remarkably simple mundane things that God in his purposes infuses with dignity and worth and power, but it also activates like zeal and commitment to God's ways. Okay, so that's why we're going to be looking at these. Now, let me just walk us through Psalm 122 briefly, and then we'll spend some time looking at what I long for us for this next season. So the first several verses of Psalm 122 are this delight that David has in God's presence among God's people. Right, read it again. I was glad when they said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord. Our feet stand within your gates, O Jerusalem. Right? So within the songs of ascent, even themselves, this psalm holds a particular place that gives witness to this deep heart cry of the pilgrim looking for and longing for the place where they would encounter God's presence and experience the joy of fellowship with God's people. Right? So there's this uh, immediate rejoicing, right? I was glad when they said to me, when I heard the voice of the multitude, it's time to go up to the house of the Lord. It's time to go up and meet with the glorious one, with the holy one. My heart leapt within me because there is my home, right? This, this wonderful, uh, bursting forth of, desire. right? He begins with, I was glad, reflecting on the gladness of his heart, journeying toward the place where God's glory dwells. For those who are part of God's family, there is a joy and a delight that comes from pursuing the face of God, one that cannot ultimately be experienced anywhere else. Right? The fountain of all our longing and desires and where the fulfillment and satisfaction of all we were created for happens is in the presence of the living God. And so there is a unique and particular joy that the saints of God possess in the call to let us go seek him. Let us go meet with the Holy One. Look at the top of page two. letter D, we see here there is also this glorious reality that there's a particular beauty in gathering together with God's people in the pursuit of his presence, right? Like David doesn't just say, I want to go to the house of the Lord. There is a joy that comes to him in the corporate assembly of God's people, as they seek God's face and his presence, right? Throughout the scripture, there is a remarkably high value on the corporate gathering as the place where the family of God meets with the Lord, worships him, adores him, hears his word, participates in all of the means of grace that he has ordained for us, right? Look at Psalm 22. You are holy, Lord enthroned on the praises of Israel. There's this remarkable reality in the scripture that God, when, when the people of God gather together to lift high the name of God and praise the name of God and exalt the name of God, that God in a unique and specific way takes up his throne in our midst, demonstrating his kingdom at work among us, right? Hebrews 10, the author picks this up and says, hey, uh, family, family, Consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Do not neglect gathering together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another as you gather all the more, even as you see the day drawing near. Right? So David moves from, I was very glad. This, this made this rejoicing, delightful, uh, love-filled wonder to long to go to the house of God with my brothers. Look at letter F. Where he longed to be though was God's house. This is the place where God's glory dwelt. In David's time, the house of God was a tabernacle that housed the Ark of the Covenant. Here at David's time and only here was where God chose to dwell in the fullness of his presence and glory. So this is where, and we're going to talk about this here in a minute. David's heart cry, is a type of what is true of us, right? David had one place that he could go to experience this reality, right? There was a house built for the Lord where the Ark of the Covenant dwelt, where God chose to let his glory manifest among his people. And David goes, any time I got the opportunity to go up, my heart leapt with joy. Now, for the people of God, as we'll look at here in a second, that reality has been broadened to all who call upon the name of Jesus. Right, like the temple of God is no longer a house for the Lord set in one place on the earth. It is the people of God being built up into the dwelling of the Most High. But what we see here is a saint of God has a particular passion to be in the presence of God and will order their lives around pursuing living in this reality. I love this verse. It finds its way into so many of uh, my notes, but it's David's heart cry in Psalm 27. He says it this way, I have one thing I desire or ask of the Lord. And because I desire one thing, I will seek after it. Right, what we see in this verse is David's desire gives birth to pursuit, right? He doesn't just say, man, I I, I want this to be the case. And so I have some wishful thinking that maybe one day it will be this way. David says, I want one thing. I want to be in the presence of God. I want to be where his glory is. I want to see his face. I want to behold him in the fullness of his beauty and his splendor. And because I want that, I'm going to seek after it. And what does seeking after it mean? It means we make real choices, real intentions, real moving things around in order that we might pursue it. Right? He says, this is one thing I desire of the Lord. And I will seek after what's he desire to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. Hey, there's something I want to just mention, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time here this morning. It's actually something I hope to look at with us a little more this coming fall. But um, most of you won't know this story But uh, this building is really old, right? You all know that, right? 1890, this building was completed. And about two and a half weeks ago, three weeks ago, uh, somebody on our staff ran across an old newspaper from October 1890, talking about the dedication of this building, right? So September 30th, 1890 on a monday night the saints of god gathered together in this room to dedicate this space unto the lord right and to shape what would this space right here in the heart of kansas city at that time it wasn't the heart of kansas city it was more like the suburbs but um what would become right in the heart of kansas city this little plot of ground at 39th and baltimore Right To gather together and consecrate this building, dedicate it to the Lord and his purposes, and to shape uh, what was on God's heart for this, for this work, for what he was about here. I'm reading this um, newspaper article, and it talks about Reverend Black getting up and the house was packed to come and dedicate this place to the Lord, this house of worship. And I'm reading it, and it says the text he chose for the night was Psalm 27.4, that this would be a place where the saints of God could seek to dwell before him, that the people here would be marked by a pursuit of the face of God and the presence of God and the glory of God, that this would be the, the burning center of the of the people and the family that inhabited here. And I was just floored by the story that the Lord has been writing in this plot of dirt for a hundred plus years, right? As we walk into this next season and seek to put our hands to what is in front of us, we aren't like picking up the plow for the first time. Right? We're actually walking into a great stream of prayers and works and labors and mission and pursuit of God and worship of God that we're coming into uh, like uh, the stream of that and asking the Lord, what is next here? What's on the horizon here? What do you have in your heart for this place? I'm excited. Look at Roman numeral three. So this Psalm moves from the delight of being in God's presence to rejoicing in God's city. Right? Jerusalem built like a city, firmly together, bound together. The tribes get to go up to this place, this place where it's been decreed that we would give thanks to the name of the Lord. Their thrones for judgment were set the thrones of the house of david so david turns from delighting in the glory of coming to god's house to speaking of the glorious realities of god's city right these Two realities in the Old Testament are inextricably bound together, right? The the Old Testament worldview, Jerusalem is the center of the world, right? It's the center of the world because this is the one place where the the reality of God and the glory of God uh, uh, crosses the human plane, right? Like the plane of the living God manifests his glory only here, and this is like the center of the world, right? He, he longs to go up there. So he, he begins to just delight in the realities of this city. You know, it's like a city bound firmly together. It's knit together. Every, every part fits the way that it's supposed to, right? The tribes get to go up year to year to give thanks to the Lord, the place that's been ordained by him. And I love this statement in verse five where he says, there thrones Of judgment were set. And I love that there is this relationship that the city is the place where God's order and judgment, his evaluations were given. His authority was to come out of the place where his glory dwelt, right? There is a remarkable tie between the house of the Lord, meaning the place where his glory is and the authority of God or the kingdom of God, right? These two things are tied together. Look at Roman numeral four. So in the New Testament, Jesus has reoriented the worship, the temple, the house of the Lord, the city of God around himself and his work, right? What we see from the New Testament is both the temple and the city were types of something, right? They were types of something that was to come in fullness and in glory that would be made known in and through the person of Jesus, Right In and through his life and his death and his resurrection. The thing that the temple pointed to, meaning the place where God would meet with his people, no longer is a a building that was designed for this. It is now the son of God himself who took up flesh. And what John says in John chapter 1 is the one who came and tabernacled with his people meaning he now is the temple. He is the temple. He is the one, the, the, the locus point where heaven and earth meet in this fully God, fully man, Jesus of Nazareth, right? In his work, this finds its fulfillment. And the same is true of the city. Look at Revelation 19, 20 to 22. We see that both the city and the people of God are called the bride. There's this demonstration that there is a unique relationship between God's people and the city of God in the new creation. Look at Revelation 19, 7 here. Let us rejoice and exult and give glory to God. Why? Because the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. So who's the bride here? The people of God. How do we know that? Look at uh, verse 8. The fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints, right? So the bride is the people of God. Look at the top of page three. Now we see the bride is the city of God. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then the angel speaks to me and says, come, I'll show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he showed me the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God. Okay, so is the bride the people or is the bride the city? The answer is yes, right? Which, which one is it? Is it the people or is it the city? The answer is yes. This is one of those amazing paradoxes of the scripture where it's like, uh, this is both and. Here we go. Now, what this tells us is that there is this remarkable interplay between the people of God and the city of God. So we see this fulfilled in Christ as well. Look at letter C. No longer are the people of God now required to come up to a particular place or a particular city to worship. Right in Christ, the glorious reality is now every time we come into his presence, we come to the heavenly Jerusalem to worship in the true house of God where his glory dwells. Look at John 4. Jesus says to the woman at the well, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. What he's saying is there's about to be a, catastrophic seismic change in all of redemptive history the moment that I let my life go upon the cross I'm going to tear the veil of the temple and no longer will worship of God be exclusive to one place at one time by one man year after year after year it will be open and available to any and all who will come through me That's what Jesus is saying here. He says, there is coming a day where anyone from any tongue, any tribe, any people, any nation can come and receive access to the living God in and through the torn flesh of Jesus Christ. That's glorious, right? And then what we see in the uh, epistle of Hebrews, look look at Hebrews chapter 12. is not only can it happen anywhere, What I want you to get is this. Where do you think we are right now? Where do you think we are, right? We think we're on a little plot of dirt on 39th and Baltimore, right? In a really old building, right? You got up this morning, you were tired. You, you, uh, you struggled to get here on time. You got your coffee, You're sitting in one of the comfy seats or in a pew or in one of the seats that are going to fall apart soon, (laughs) right? You're looking out the stained glass. All these things are, are true. Where do you think you are? I want you to read this and let your imagination be captivated with the reality of what is happening right now. This is what happens when we gather, right? When we come together, we do not come to that which may be touched, a blazing fire, a darkness, a gloom and a tempest, which we all would probably want, right? Like we would all want the Mount Sinai experience, right? Where the glory of God manifested itself and we got to see it and the earth shook and the clouds were roaring and like thunder and lightning and that reality. That's not what we get, right? What do we have? We come to Mount Zion. Where are we? We have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, who's in our midst, innumerable angels in festal gathering. We've come to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all to the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Hey, where do you think we are right now? We aren't at 39th and Baltimore. We're at Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem in the presence of the living God, the judge of all the earth, come into his glorious presence with innumerable angels, the assembly of the firstborn, the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and Jesus, our great high priest, who mediates the way for us because of his broken body and his shed blood. I was glad when they said to me, let us go up to the house of God. God if we don't get that that's what we're doing on Sundays, we are... We're, we're far removed from reality, right? When we gather on Sundays, it isn't to show up and to sing into the air and to pray into the air and sit and listen to somebody pontificate for a second. That's not what we're doing here. We are coming to go up. The tribes of God's people coming to go up to the new city where we can worship and live in and experience and encounter the presence of the living God that will change us and shape us and reorient us in this world. And we'll do this. Look at letter D. We'll be built up into the temple of God. Both are and being built. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You're built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him also, you are being built together to a dwelling place for God by the spirit. First Peter two, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, But in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So the glorious reality of gathering as the people of God and the ministry of the church is that God is building his people together as his glorious house where his glory dwells. Hey, here's a dual reality that you may not recognize. The church, the people of God, is the place where God manifests his presence in the world. This is where God is. So when you ask the question, where does God dwell? The New Testament invites us to see that he doesn't dwell in a house made with hands. He doesn't dwell in one place as opposed to the other. He dwells among his people. Those who are called by his name, those who look to him in faith, he he gives us his spirit and we are his house. Right. So this is the place where his glory dwells. And... As we gather as the temple and his glory is here, he uses that as the means to build us up into his temple. It's this remarkable reality. Our hearts should be glad as we consider the call to go up to the house of the Lord, both in the place of gathering for worship and the places where we are called to build the city of God. Okay, so what does that mean for us? I'm just gonna walk through a couple things related to this fall for us. As we, as we move into a new season together. So Lord has been at work in our church over the last season. I believe he's calling us into a season of building the house. Right, That looks like orienting us around a vision that's unified and growing us in what it means to build towards us together. And there's gonna be different aspects of what that means, but I, I, that is the, the, the thing that's in front of us. Is a is a season of building that I believe God has for us. It's in line with the vision of what He's put before our church to become, and to build a praying church pursuing His presence and the purposes uh, His purposes for our city. So, at the heart of every pursuit, every part of our ministry, every way we think about allotting resources and time and energy. One of the things that I've been trying to beat the drum about has to be an intentional and consistent commitment to pursue God's presence, right? So I was glad when they said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord. We, we've talked about even several months ago that, that call from First Chronicles 16, uh, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face continually, this, this pursuit of God's presence among us. This isn't just a theological reality, but a desire that we have to pursue what God has ordained to live in his glorious presence. So for this season in the life of our church, I believe pursuing our first value or the presence of God, as well as all of the strategic elements that will be necessary to doing this will take a primary place of importance in what we talk about, how we train, what are we gonna program toward, all of those things. Uh, Look with me at the page four. Look at letter G. I have a specific prayer that I'm praying that God would stir up our spirits to set about building in this way over the next six months. I'm, I'm actually asking the Lord to do the work. When I, when I come back, I'm gonna be out of the pulpit for the next several weeks. When I come back, I'm gonna preach Psalm 127. And it's the glorious Psalm of, unless the Lord builds, all of this is in vain. Right? Like I'm actually asking that the Lord would do a supernatural work in our midst over the next several months to stir us up. Right? And this is this is taken directly from Haggai chapter 1. There's this call for the people of God to set about the work of building God's house and they do it. They like drop everything, they get to work and The commentary on it that the Lord provides perspective to Haggai is he says, hey, that wasn't your ingenuity. It wasn't your charisma. It wasn't that you said all the right things at the right time. The Lord stirred up all their spirits. The Lord did this and he was at work. So this fall, we're entering a specific and focused season of putting our hands to the work that God has been inviting us toward. In this season, we're going to primarily be focusing our labors on building the culture of our church toward the values and visions that God has put in front of us. So one of the first ways to build in this coming season is to show up, right? Like I've got several things outlined here uh, that, that we're going to be putting our hand to this fall. And the primary way of stepping in and building in this season is participation, It's moving things around to say, if these are the things that are important to us in this season, this is what we're going to be a part of. And that has to do with uh, Wednesday nights, the prayer gatherings that we've been having, moving to uh, uh, continue to fan the flame of those, strengthen them as the first expression of what I believe will be more uh, uh, prayer ministry here at our church. It's going to be uh, jumping into Sunday schools as we start them in the fall. It's going to be maybe, maybe setting yourself to some of these outreach contexts that we're going to be rolling out in the weeks and months to come. And for the guys in the room, uh, it, it's stepping in. We had that men's breakfast not too long ago. Uh, it's stepping into these contexts that we're actually calling uh, Builders, It's avenues that we've designed for men of our church to answer the call to building the house in this season. It includes a monthly prayer gathering that we're going to be having, quarterly men's breakfasts. But our desire here is to build the men of our church in such a way that they turn around and build God's house, build godly families, and build godly legacy. Like that's That's the desire here. And so these are the places that we're putting in front of us to step in. But as we close, I wanna give you three things I wanna ask you to pray this summer. As we kind of are in the songs of ascent and as we move into the fall, I wanna ask everybody to commit to praying three things. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. Number one. Would you pray specifically and intentionally for God's favor and his power at work in our church? This is Psalm 27.1. Write that down. Pray that over us. Pray Zechariah 4 verse 8. There in, in, in that uh, passage of scripture, God shows Zechariah the need of labor that's in front of him. And it's the famous passage that we all know, right? God says, it's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit alone, says the Lord. He says, this can only happen if I'm at work behind you, right? So pray for that. Actually ask God to make good on his word and to move with favor And with power. So that's prayer number one. Prayer number two. Pray that God would give you an insatiable longing for his presence and his power. I don't know if you've ever prayed that before. Take time to pray Psalm 122.1 over yourself. And if it's far off, if you're going like, man, I, I don't feel I was glad when they said to me. Let us go up to the house of the Lord. That's kind of like boring and just duty-based. I got to get up there and do this. Ask the Lord to change you. Ask the Lord to change you. Ask the Lord to show you what is happening in the midst of the gathering of his saints. Ask him to make your heart insatiably hungry and thirsty for his presence. Ask him to move in your soul in that way. And then third, ask the Lord what I was just talking about from Haggai 1, that he would stir up our hearts. Stir up our hearts to know how to step in, to know how to respond, that there would be an increasing desire and longing to to pick up the shovel and to get to work. Right? Like as we step into a new season, and we really do focus on some aspects of rebuilding and reshaping, that the Lord would do the work to stir our hearts in the midst of that. So I'm going to ask you to pray those three things. Like, Would you take time to begin to ask the Lord to do those in our midst as we move into this season together? Amen. Amen. Would you all stand with me? I'm going to pray those things over us right now. And then I'm going to, and then we're going to come to the table together. Let's just take a moment as a spiritual family to just present ourselves before the Lord. So we just settle down for a second internally we're not in a rush to like move to the next thing just say here i am god god i'm here in your presence we've come up to the mount the mountain of god the heavenly jerusalem in the presence of innumerable angels the souls of the just made righteous because of the lamb. To God, the just one. To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. God, here we are. God, by your Holy Spirit, would you come and work in and among us? God, would you stir among the waters of our hearts God, would you align us with what you're doing? God, we just we believe that right now the Father is at work. God almighty, you are at work. Would you align us with what you're doing? Would you give us eyes to see? Give us hearts that understand. Give us clarity and grace and strength to respond God would you in the next season of the life of our church would you yourself build us God would you build us would you give the blueprints would you give the the resources would you stir up hearts God all over the place throughout the Bible every time that you invite people into a season of building you anoint people to do that all the way back to the Ark of the Covenant, all the way back to the temple, God, you stir up people's gifts and their affections and their desires and the things that they put their hands to. God, would you do that in our midst? God, would you yourself build? God, I ask that you would make us a people that has an insatiable longing and hunger for your presence. God, I actually ask that you would make this family, the inheritors of a spiritual legacy, would you make us the very thing that this building was dedicated under? A people that has one desire, to see your face, to live in your presence, to know you, to pursue you. God, would you do that? Would you be here at work among us? We ask in Jesus' name for his glory.